0: Our reading today is in Ezekiel 18, verse 1 to 32. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on eggs. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Suppose there is a righteous man who does what is just and right. He does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took and pledges for alone. He does not commit a, do- a robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. He does not lend to them at interest or take a profit from them. He withholds his hand from doing wrong and judges fairly between two parties. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. That man is righteous. He will surely leave, declares the sovereign Lord. Suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these other things. Though the father has done none of them, he aids at the mountain shrines, he defiles his neighbor's wife. He oppresses the poor and needy, he commits robbery. He does not return what he took and pledged, he looks to the idols, he does detestable things. He lends at interest and takes a profit, will such a man leave? He will not, because he has done all these detestable things. He is to be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. But suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits, and though he sees them, he does not do such things. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look to the idols of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife. He does not oppress anyone or require a pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. He withholds his hand from mistreating the poor and takes no interest or profit from them. He keeps my laws and follows my decrees. He will not die for his father's sin. He will surely leave. But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, And did what was wrong among his people. Yet you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of his father? Since the son has done what is just and right, and has been careful to keep all my decrees, he will surely leave. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely leave. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them. Because of the righteous things they have done, they will leave. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and leave? But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, will they leave? None of the the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. Because of the unfaithfulness they are guilty of, and because of the sins they have committed, They will die. Yet you say, The way of the Lord is not just. Hear, you Israelites, is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed, and does what is just and right, they will save their life. Because they consider all the offenses they have committed and turn away from them, that person will surely leave. They will not die. Yet the Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Read yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and leave. This is the word of the Lord. All
1: right. Yeah, thank you, Evelyn, for praying, for reading. As you will have noticed, yeah, we're doing Ezekiel, and we're going, we're making some big jumps. Otherwise, we'll be here for the whole year. But uh, uh, another chapter, and a a great chapter, and a a good chapter for this week, because, yeah, as he already mentioned, there is this, you know, world politics that is going to affect us. I don't know how you felt about different announcements whether new laws or new sanctions and what is going to happen, I guess many of us, how we feel is helpless. There are these things happening in, in the world here in Hong Kong, and it doesn't you know, it affects us, but we have no say in it. There's nothing we can do about it. Right? People far away make big decisions, and uh, yeah, everything changes for us. and we, yeah, we do nothing about it. And I don't know how that makes you feel. It feels like, is it worth doing anything? Is it worth trying to change things if, you know, these things happen to us? Is it worth trying to, you know, live God's way, do the right thing when, uh, yeah, things just happen to us? I think that's the issue here. Uh, It is an issue that the Israelites were facing. So if you look at verse 2, they were quoting a proverb, right? They're in exile. This is how they are feeling. The parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. That's a proverb. I mean, uh, I can, you can imagine the, the situation, right? The parents, they eat sour grapes. I don't know if you've ever had them, but uh, think of eating a melon, right? You bite a lemon, and your teeth, they go, uh, except that it's not my teeth, it's my kids' teeth who are watching this, and their teeth go, right? what's the idea? Well, look, the kids suffer for what the parents do wrong. That is what they are thinking, that, you know, we are here in exile, and it's not our fault. It's our parents. It's the previous generations. They've been sinning and worshipping idols, and now we are here, and we are in exile, and it's their fault. And in a, in a way, it's God's fault, right? God, uh, you are being unfair because we are here suffering, and it's their fault, and, and they're no longer here. I don't know if you, you get that feeling. Now, is that a right feeling? You know, uh, the exile, to some extent, they are right. I mean, it wasn't just a flash out of the pen. Last week was a really shocking sermon, but it was not a sudden outburst from God. This was centuries and centuries and centuries of idolatry that were being punished. And, yeah, no wonder that they felt, yeah, we were born at the wrong time. And actually, the Bible does say that children suffer for their parents' sin, It's in the commandments, in the second commandment, God says this, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That doesn't God say that here. Most people take this, it's more that, well, children suffer for their parents' sin, and they aren't necessarily directly punished, but they do suffer for it, right? I mean, imagine uh, a couple, and they're constantly fighting. They're really nasty to each other. That's going to affect the children, right? They're going <laughs> to learn about life. They're going to uh, get hurt because of the parents. You know, the, the husband who commits adultery and the marriage breaks down, the children are going to suffer. Right? Someone who is abusive, often they were themselves abused as a child. Uh, we suffer of often from what our parents have done. That is true. And larger, yeah, that's, that is true. We suffer from international politics. We suffer from centuries of other people's decisions uh, by Britain and by China, and it now comes down to us, right? Uh, climate change, yeah, we suffer from decisions that st- people all over the world for the past hundreds of years have made, yeah. That is life. We are not islands. In that sense, yes, our situation is not necessarily our fault. That's true. But does that mean that we can just, yeah, we have nothing to do. We are helpless, and it doesn't matter how we live, because you know our situation, we have no control over it. It doesn't matter at all what we do, and we can just sit there and do nothing. Well, God wants to address this. He wants to say, no, that's not the case. I don't want you to use this proverb anymore. And Well, what is God saying? And I hope that will encourage us. Well, first of all, what he says, well, look, everyone is responsible. Everyone is responsible to me. I says it in verse 4, for everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. And the one who sins is the one who will die. And God says, no, you, you, you stand before me. You belong to me. It's not that you live in this world and I've got no control over you and you're just a, a victim there a coke in a machine, no, you belong to me. And that means you, you stand before me and you relate to me. And, you know, I'm fair, I'm just. The one who sins is the one who will die. And then he gives these examples, you know, these three generations, the father, son, grandson, and the righteous will live and the wicked will die. Although we need to think a bit, what does that mean, live and die? Because I don't think it can mean that... You know, if you were righteous, you would still, you would live happily in Jerusalem, right? If a city gets destroyed, it affects everyone. Yeah? It doesn't work like that. So I think live and die here. When God says, okay, you will die or you will live, that is more eternity, eternal life. It is, you know, a relationship with him, uh, the end, the future. With regard to death well, no, you belong to me, and, and you're responsible to me, and, and I will reward you or punish you. you. You relate to me. Now, how does he then explain that? Well, uh, he goes through these, uh, these three generations, isn't it? Uh, he says, okay, there was this father, and later he has a son, he has a grandson. Okay, let me give an example. And then he talks about, well, the father. First of all, the father. Well, he is, he's righteous, isn't it? Verse 5, suppose there is a righteous man who does what is just and right. And he goes through this list. What, what, what a good guy, isn't it? Uh, no idolatry. Uh, no other gods. And then he, he you know, no adultery. Uh, he honors marriage. But also he, he cares for the poor. And he, uh, he is just at work. And, and all those kind of things, right? Uh, it's so comprehensive. Now, some of it is kind of Old Testament ritual cleanliness that doesn't apply to Christians. But the the, the picture is... You know, he does everything right. right? I mean, when I see this, I think of you know, different Christian kind of sides. There's the right-wing Christians who think you know, marriage should be honored, but they don't care much about the poor. There's other people, they care a lot about the poor, but you know, they don't care about God's design for marriage. This guy cares about everything. And so, yeah, he is righteous, he will live, God says. But then he has this son who is the exact opposite right, Uh, he, well, verse 10, suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these other things, though the father has done none of them, eh? he worships idols and he commits adultery and he oppresses everyone and, well, will such a man live? He will die, Uh, very clear, not related to his father, he will die. But yet, this son has a son, and, and he's different again, right? Verse 14, but suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits, and though he sees them, he does not do such things, and so he worships God and not idols, and he, you know, no adultery, and he helps the poor and all those things, and, you know, he is righteous. And look, he will live, and it doesn't matter what his father was like. He does not share in the guilt of his father. Uh, the father does not share in the guilt of the son in the previ- with the previous generation. No. You stand on your own feet before God. Just you. And it doesn't matter what your situation is like. It doesn't matter what your background is like. You belong to me. And, you know, and, and the way you live, yeah. That's just between you and me. And, you know, we, you share that. Right? We, it matters how you live. It makes an eternal difference because it's about, yeah, eternal life and death. Yeah, so that's that, that is the encouragement here in a way, right? Yes, maybe they couldn't change their situation. You know, okay, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do the right thing. doesn't mean they will go back to Jerusalem. No. Jerusalem is finished. But they will live with God and they will be with him forever. It, it matters how we live. Uh, isn't that encouraging? You know, maybe, yeah, politics here, and we have no idea what the future will bring, but is it worth trying to do the right thing? Yes, it is. Because you will stand before God, and you're responsible for, to Him. Maybe everyone in your workplace is corrupt, and you feel, why should I even try to make a difference? Well, you're responsible to God, and, and He sees you, and He knows you, and it is worth doing the right thing. It makes a difference to Him. Of course, God can use us behind the scene. That's a different passage. Or, I mean, you're in a marriage, and you feel the marriage is going nowhere, and the problem is your spouse, right? They just refuse to change, and, and you feel, well, what's the point of me trying to make this work when, you know, my spouse just doesn't want to change? And it must be hard. And maybe nothing will happen, but, you know, God knows you and sees you and you belong to him. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what your spouse does. Well, what do you do? And, and God will, you know, he sees you, he knows you, you're responsible to him. It, it matters, it makes a difference. And that is, I hope that's encouraging. You know, when we feel helpless, no, I can still do the right thing. And God will... Take care of me and, and, you know, love me and, you know, reward me. Uh, I, think that's imp- I think that's very good to know. Uh, just to say, it's interesting, it's parents and children. It's also for the children. You need to hear this, right? Uh, you will stand before God on your own. Now, maybe you were not kind of, maybe you've had terrible parents and a terrible childhood. <laughs> but most likely, you know, you're here and you have a, quite a privileged childhood. Right? You are, uh, have parents who go to church and they try to raise you in the best way. Uh, in the end, you're going to stand before God without your parents. <laughs> and, and, and you need to. Have you responded to Jesus? Have you become a Christian? Right? There is no, um, you can't just get along with your parents in that sense. Or maybe your spouse is a Christian and you're not. Uh, there are no spousal visas when it comes to heaven. Okay? We, we all need to respond. You know, this is, everyone is responsible. Well, in a way, I hope that's encouraging. At the same time, I don't know when you read this chapter if we should feel really encouraged in every way. Because how is our standing then before God? You know, we're responsible for Him. How is our standing? And that is kind of what God tries to get at with this example. Because... You know, they're blaming God that, you know, we're innocent and it's our parents' fault. And God is saying, really? (laughs) Really? So you're saying you're like the grandson, right? You're you're, 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 the father and he sins. And uh, did you do verse 14? Be honest. eh? Suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits. And though he sees them, he does not do such things. You know, you saw all the idolatry of your parents. Did you turn away from that? Did you stop that? You saw all the violence they did. Did you turn away from that? And if they're honest, I hope they see that no. <laughs> right? They are not this great-grandson. They wouldn't stand before God on their own two feet like this. They, you know, even if God would just judge them, doesn't matter what their parents have done. They wouldn't be in Jerusalem. They would be in exile. They deserve to die. And in fact, that's all of us, right? You know, you look at these guys here, and most of us, I think if we're honest, we are, yeah, we're all responsible, but we are also all sinful. And we wouldn't have anything to stand on if we just stood before God there for eternal life and eternal death. No, it's hopeless, except God then changes gear, and he says, but I'll forgive you. God says, I, I want you back. I want you back. And that's what he says. And because it then goes to, well, verse 21, but if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them because of the righteous things they have done. They will live. Hey, your, your background doesn't matter. Your situation doesn't matter. Even your past doesn't matter. You can change that. You can turn back to God and find this amazing forgiveness because that is what God is like, right? And so, we, we, in this passage, it's just such a beautiful description by God of, of what He wants, what He's like. Verse 23, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? You know, there's life and death, but what does God want? He wants you to have life. He doesn't want you to die, and so he he wants you to, to turn, to come back to him. I mean, God is the God of life, right? There was this cold emptiness and he made a, a world full of life. He, he is life himself, and he wants, to, he wants you to have life. He doesn't want you to die. And so he says, come back to me. Right? That, that, that's what God is like. But the thing is, it, it's up to you. Because the problem is that there is still judgment. And you, you read Ezekiel, and actually, <laughs> they were quite depressing chapters. I don't know if you've been reading along. But it's, there's a lot of judgment there. But we need to take that seriously. I mean, some people read that and they think, well, look, God is a monster, right? All this judgment. Now God says, no, it, this is not what I prefer. It's not what I want. But it doesn't mean it's not there because God has to judge. And judgment needs to happen. He doesn't, he doesn't want it, but it, it has to. I mean, you, you see this sun. And you see the way he commits adultery and his robbery and how he oppresses the poor. And do you think such a person deserves to live? That God just says, ah, never mind, I want life. No, things matter. That's, yeah, judgment must come. God is a God of justice, but he wants you to live. He wants people to turn and come back to him. So, so turn, right? That, that is what he says. Now, of course, in some ways that doesn't make sense. You know, if God is so just, how can he, you know, this, all this life, if this son who's done all these things and he just turns and comes back to God and he gets forgiven, how can that happen? The Israelites struggle with that, right? You, you, you say the way of the Lord is not just, verse 25. It's like this, this doesn't make sense. In some ways, yeah, it doesn't make sense that God just forgives like this. I mean, it only makes sense when we read the whole Bible. It only makes sense when we realize that God, actually, he didn't keep to this chapter. He hasn't always been consistent. He's very clear here, okay, only the one who sins needs to die. Except that uh, on the cross, here was a righteous man who'd never committed any sin, and yet he died. He died for our sin, right? Uh, Verse 20, here's justice. The the righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. But on the cross, well, the wickedness of the wicked was charged against the righteous. And the righteousness of the righteous was given to the wicked, which is unfair, (laughs) but wonderful, because that's the only way we could be forgiven. I mean, doesn't that show God's love? When He says, God says, I I, I want you back. Come on, come back to me. He he means it, right? Look at the lengths He wants to go through. He gives up His Son to die so that you can come back to Him. Often we, we, we have a preferred option. We want something, but we don't want to put in the effort. God did everything. And the only thing you need to do is to turn. Isn't that amazing? And so, well, the application for Israel, it's clear, isn't it? It's never too late. Turn. Verse 30, hear, house of Israel, Therefore I I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses, and and then sin will not be your downfall. Uh, Turn. Come back. Uh, It's very simple for each of us. Turn and come back. I mean, what does that look like? I think God mentions a few different things. Uh, he says uh, repent, which means we, we turn back to Him, right? We've been going our own way, and we turn 180 degrees back to Him. But also, we, we don't just turn back. We Well, we rid ourselves of all our offenses, right? Of course, the things that lead to death, the things that bring judgment, we... We get rid of them. The idea is that you't you, know, you throw them away as, as far as you can, and you, you cast them away, but also then a, a new life okay now i 'm back with god i 'm going to live his way, and he says, "Well, get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit Now that sounds a bit difficult though right um, a new heart where, where can you get a new heart online or at right? welcome? <laughs> of course, we can 't give ourselves a new heart, but this is this is about you know, what we need to do. God, but God gave that. Don't we celebrate that today? It's Pentecost, right? What happened on Pentecost? Well, the Spirit came down. The new Spirit we need, God gave it. Jesus poured it out. Then The new heart, we get it by the Spirit. And so what a great passage for Pentecost, isn't it? Isn't this exactly what Peter said? I mean, you read Acts 2, and this is what Peter said. The same thing as Ezekiel Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to the apostles, "Uh, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You turn to God, you repent of your sins, and there's forgiveness, and you you get a new heart. Wonderful news. And, And it's for everyone. That's the thing here, isn't it? Of course, it sounds like, okay, house of Israel. But God doesn't take the pleasure in the death of anyone. And that includes all the Gentiles. Which is why Peter goes on, right? The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone the Lord God calls to himself. And this promise is for you and it's for your children. Children, you can turn. If you repent, if you come back to God... You get the Holy Spirit, you get forgiven. And and all who are far off. If you're Chinese, God doesn't want you to die. You're a Filipina, God doesn't want you to die. You're a Westerner. You have a great privileged backgrounds, but that's not gonna help. But God doesn't want you to die. Come back to Him. What a wonderful passage. So so I don't know your situation. But but how is your spiritual standing? Maybe you're here and you, you're not yet a Christian. You're watching along with your spouse or something. Maybe, you know, today is the day. You can turn back to Jesus and and all will be forgiven. God doesn't want you to die. Maybe you've started following Jesus, but there's still so much sin that you need to cast away. Well, today is the day and you'll be forgiven. Come back to him. Maybe the past few months haven't been good to you and you've been starting to wander away. I mean, there is a warning here, right? It depends on now. Your past doesn't matter. Uh, If you turn away from God, it's not good news. But come back, and he'll forgive you. And for each of us, well, as we are then, you know, right with God, then whatever our situation, we know uh, our life matters. We know uh, we make a difference because we belong to him. And that includes living rightly and what it's going to look like here in Hong Kong. We don't know. We don't know how Hong Kong will change. I think on a day like this, we should remember, though, that uh, you know, there's a lot of people outside Hong Kong as well. Right? There are 7,000 languages in the world that couldn't be in this song that we sung because they don't have the Bible yet. Many people who don't know yet that they're responsible before God, and they will face him, but they can be forgiven. Let's pray today as well that the gospel might go to the unreached because God wants them back. He wants all of us back because that is His grace, His love. He doesn't want anyone to die. What a wonderful news, this Pentecost. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your grace, for Your love. Thank You for the amazing forgiveness that's there in Jesus, the way You've made it possible that sinners like us can come back to You. Father, in each of our situations, no matter what it's like, Uh, would we remember our standing before you and always come back to you uh, with all our sin, uh, to turn away from it and to find forgiveness, to find life, eternal life with you. We remember the world. We remember many people who don't know this news, who don't know yet that you want them back. Uh, Would we tell them and would we share this wonderful news that even if their situation doesn't change,
0: they can be back with you. Thank you in Jesus' name.
1: Amen.